All right. So, this bot, this boof, this pod brought to you by uh, the Communist Party of China. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> China. The People's Republic of China. Yeah, China, please, please sponsor the pod. We won't talk about you at all. And all of its territories. <laughs> yeah, but seeing as uh, they're not currently sponsors, I think we're good to talk right now. <laughs> I think it's the safe place. I'm not. I promise you, Joe, that I'm not taking any checks um, from any uh, foreign government at this time. Yeah, I think we're the only major uh, media corporation, you and I, the Two Asians Podcast, that is not taking money from China. <laughs> I would also like to acknowledge the fact that all opinions are our own. Yeah, <laughs> do not reflect that of our employers because we've done a lot of work to not say our last names, and um, <laughs> we'll keep, we're going to keep it that way. We're pretty much incognito, dude. Oh yeah. Dude, I am Joe Bleep and you are Bleep <laughs> Bleep 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 And welcome to the Two Asians Podcast. I know that you thought we weren't going to talk about China because we're Asian, but we will. <laughs> yeah, I would say, dude, like anti-Asian sentiment is at an all-time medium right now. Yeah, well, I mean, depending on who you're talking to, because if you're talking to any NBA players, I mean, they're huge on Asia. Huge. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, you're right. All NBA players love Asia. <laughs> I know, dude. Uh, they like. I mean, James Harden. And coaches, loves... coaches too. Yeah, you mean... <laughs> All right, here's an audio clip of Steve Kerr talking about China. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We're having too much fun. Um, wait, did you watch the South Park episode on China? No, dude. I, I saw that was like the immediate reference on Reddit um, when the story came out. But I didn't get a chance to watch the episode. I saw it was a crazy coincidence. Yeah, At least no, that's what... Yeah. An yeah, unbelievable cool. coincidence because I ended up watching it. And then they briefly mentioned... So, like... I mean, I don't actually, have... Joe, sorry to interrupt you. I'm actually in China right now, and I can't watch the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted no, you. Right. Yeah, no. Um, uh, <laughs> there's a um, the the episode uh, centers around Stan Marsh, who's like owns operates this weed farm, um, and he's he's like trying to increase his uh, weed revenue and sales. So he, he comes up with this genius original idea, just like podcasting, um, that he should sell weed to China because uh, there's a billion people there. And if he can capture even a tiny fraction of the market, he's going to make a boatload of money. So he goes on this plane to fly to China with this original idea. And then he's sitting next to some people and he goes like, so uh, what brings you to China? And then he, this guy's like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to like drum up some business over there. He's like, what? You're trying to steal my idea. And then like later on in the like, and then as people are filtering onto the plane, like all these Disney characters show up and then there's like an NBA official or NBA, like uh, the yeah, corporate official who's like, it's like, yeah, man, we're, we represent the NBA. Like we love China, you know? And then that was like the week before the Daryl Morey tweet and then that comes out and then the NBA is like, yeah, we love China. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty weird, Pr- pretty crazy coincidence. I think the so- South Park's uh, taking the Simpsons place of predicting things. Oh, yeah. 
I think the timing of it's really interesting too, especially I think we're talking today, it's Wednesday. I think at 7.30 Eastern time tomorrow is when the Lakers and Nets are supposed to play in China, supposedly. And that's a fluid situation right now because um, they're taking down the, like the, I mean, advertising is going down. There's it's really no word if, if these events are supposed to be taking place. Uh, Commissioner Adam Silver was slated to travel over there. I mean, I think he's over there right now as well. Um, and this all was really uh, started with a simple tweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The tweet heard around the world, except for China, because they don't have Twitter. <laughs> yeah, oh, they they heard they heard it, dude. Well, no, honestly, I think like fifteen people in China heard it, and then the rest of them are like, "What the fuck happened to Twitter?" Or what the fuck happened? No, to where I was like, the ro- the rockets don't exist anymore. Yeah. What happened? I. It must be weird. Like I don't I, you know, I don't know if any of you guys, any of your listeners, are from China or understand how social media works over there, because I'm not super well versed on it, but. I'm wondering how many people in China actually understand the reason why the rockets disappeared. That's a good point. I think, though, that whatever, I mean, how, how media is dispersed or information, it's very probably much so in a controlled fashion. But then again, dude, I, I don't know how many friends over there and that can really speak towards that distribution. I don't yeah. know. So uh, I, I think for those of you who are confused as to what we're talking about, let's backtrack a little bit. But um, there was a... Yeah, I mean, I know we talk about basketball a lot on this pod, so those of you who do listen to it, um, you probably get, you know, a nice little glimpse into the basketball world every once in a while. But it all starts with um, Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets. And uh, Vinny, you want, you want to take this part? Yeah, uh, I mean, the background of Daryl Morey, I mean, I, I think his prominent years actually started with uh, with Yao Ming. He was with him uh, for the franchise for that long. And when, when was that, like mid-2000s, dude? So he has a long history. Um, by no means a scrub. Let's just get that out of the way too. I think for if this to happen to any people, like anybody, to be one of the most preeminent or probably like the most um, talked about general managers in the NBA, he's he's very much so revered for his like just different way of thinking, um, and also obviously executing the James Harden trade and really kind of pushing forward a new era in basketball. Um, I think it's just kind of uh, very innovative in that sense. So uh, it's yeah, I guess just kind of a little background on Daryl. Clearly has a good track record. Um, at this point, for this to come from him is probably just very surprising, I guess. But we'll probably delve dive into that uh, shortly after. Yeah. What Joe has to say. So um, as to that, yes, yeah, so, like, I mean, to to kind of like build off of what Vinny was talking about, this guy is one of the best general managers in the NBA. Um, uh, analytics guru, really smart guy. Um, participates annually in like a MIT Sloan conference around like sports analytics. This guy is like one of the best. And, um, oh yeah, I couldn't. Have, I'd be remiss to say his name and not mention analytics. So yeah, Joe, appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, and so um, you know, I, I actually a, a little side story, but Vinny and I love. I don't actually. Do, I don't know if you love Malcolm Gladwell, but Malcolm Gladwell's great. But um, a, a lot of books that are very similar to his. Um, you know, or actually, sorry, let me backtrack again. Um, Kahneman. Oh, yeah, yeah, Daniel Kahneman, uh, Amos Tversky. There was a book about um that was written closely to thinking fast and slow, but, um, I, was it? No, it wasn't Gladwell. It was, uh, David Epstein, Epstein, sports, Epstein. Yeah. He writes about, yeah. um, the, yeah, there's a book on sports and one of the forwards included, you know, of the, the first chapter was about Daryl Morey. Um, one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. I'm really ashamed that I can't remember it right now. I'm just trying to complete blank. I didn't prepare too much for this pod, but anyways, uh, yeah, one of my favorite authors write about Daryl Morey, and that's how good of a guy he is. Anyways, moving on from that, um, <laughs> as to that tweet heard around the world, uh, 
it was a tweet. I think I don't know if he retweeted it or if he tweeted it himself, but it was a it was an image that says like I stand with or stand with Hong Kong, um, and it was only up for minutes. I think before he had to delete it, right? Exactly. Yeah, uh, it was really only on there for a short period of time. Um, I, I think actually his the owner of the team, something's Tillman. Teretti, <laughs> for Teretti, something like that. For for, for I, I, I listened to the I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast today and he said for Tata so like that's what, <laughs> that's what's like stuck in my head but I know it's something like that but he um I think he like retweeted it and, and quickly just said step try to separate Daryl Morey's opinions from that uh from the team itself like the Rockets like his his ideas do not represent what we feel like as an organization yeah. so he he quickly retweeted that slapped him on the the wrist so to speak yeah and um right right but not before the damage was done um. I think within like within like the hour, multiple Chinese sponsors of the Houston Rockets had you know condemned that statement. I think had cut sponsorship ties with the Rockets. Um, and for those of you who don't know too much about the Rockets, they are the most popular team in China due to uh, Yao Ming and like his history with the team. Um, and so like that's a huge huge blow for that team and for the NBA as a whole, who's trying to build a major market in China recognizing the fact that you know there's 350 million people in the u.s and over a billion in china um and so like expanding their market there is their chief priority um and it's it would be huge for their business for it to succeed and really damaging for it to fail and so it really caught the nba's attention and that didn't happen overnight when we talk about that relationship this has been building since the days of yao ming Mm -hmm. really like the preeminent first superstar to come out of china I mean, this this has been a program. The NBA players have they have sponsorships, like you mentioned before. Not really just exclusive to the Rockets, but um, you have players going there every summer, pretty much, to promote their brand. Um, you know, push their product. A lot of these guys are signed to a lot of uh, Chinese basketball sneaker mm-hmm. brands as well, like Li Ning. I think the other ones, like I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, Anta. But I'm starting to see it's, it, this is having more of a ripple effect beyond just the Rockets too and just the greater NBA because any players involved too. I mean, that, we talked about that uh, that streaming deal. I think the company is called Tencent. Mm-hmm. Like that was just signed and I thought it was estimated to be around like $5 billion. So we're not messing around there. Like this, these are 10 figures of a problem or of revenue that you could just disappear supposedly. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually realistically going to happen um, as a result of this single action. Right? Yeah. And for those of you who don't aren't like super well versed in what is going on in Hong Kong, you know the Hong Kong like the the protests, or as China would categorize them, the riots. Um, you know, it's about an extradition bill that had been put into play like in July, um, and then the protesters were you know, you know, storming their parliament building, um, you know, protesting against this bill because they felt that it was going to create a. Uh, an ability for mainland China to extradite criminal suspects under certain circumstances, which is like a very vague term. But, um, you know, the, a lot of the Hong Kong citizens felt that this was exposing, you know, folks in Hong Kong to unfair treatment by the mainland Chinese government. And for those, I mean, and there's like a weird mixed history between Hong Kong and China. I think it became Chinese again in like 97 after their hundred year deal or something with the UK ended. Mm hmm. And um, they've been operating under, like, a one government, like, two standards kind of uh, life. So, like, they experienced a certain level of autonomy in Hong Kong that mainland Chinese folks don't. And so 
you know, they have a semblance of democracy as opposed to what, you know, they have in China. And so I think, you know, a lot of the protests speak to a bigger issue at hand, uh, not just the extradition bill, which I think was then has been since repealed and since taken away. But the protesters are still, but the riots are, and protests are still going on. Um, yeah. And like they're currently demanding, uh, you know, the withdrawal of the term rioters um, as for as who they are, uh, amnesty for their arrested prisoners, independent inquiries into alleged police brutality, and universal suffrage for elections. And so it's they're really just wanting a more democratic society, um, something that I feel like you know here we take for granted you know, pretty easily um, in the United States and something that I feel like most American citizens would want for other people as well. I mean, um, and so I think for Daryl Morey to have like supported that the Hong Kong protests, it, it would be a very, for any of us, I think it'd be a very simple choice to make. Be like, Oh yeah, those guys, you know, they deserve something better than, you know, being under some totalitarian state. Um, but I think in his shoes, him being the general manager, that's what caused this major backlash. Yeah, I guess the only way I was trying to make an analogy with so like one of my coworkers recently, I guess we would talk about it as if like the CEO of our respective companies had sent out a tweet. You know, I think people can look at the company or corporations that they work for and as an employee, I think maybe to a certain degree, like they say the certain things you can't talk about while you're at work and I think politics is probably maybe something that's top of mind. But the reason why I think things get really dicey when we talk about or the way we think about the NBA itself is that recently, and compared to the other major sports leagues in America, have been relatively progressive. I think that's the ideals that they want to, or the image I think that they projected themselves against. Um, and, and their race to become the most popular sport in America or if not just the world, because I think the NBA has that reach. Uh, and, and obviously their their movements in China has been a part of that ability to try to just generate the most revenue possible and become as popular as possible as well. Um, really speaks volumes, I think, to uh, how kind of seriously important the situation is or more just critical the way we decide to talk about it. Um, I just want to address Joe said everything hopefully really well. And I think what we don't maybe see enough of in the media coverage today, especially coming out of large corporations that may have, again, uh, we joked about it earlier. Uh, it could affect their bottom line, right? Yeah. Just these guys talking about it. And that's a, ESPN's a basic example of that. They're owned by Disney. And, and for, from all extensive purposes, yeah, Disney uh, creates movies. We already know how much, I guess, China has influence over the movies that get created and kind of censorship that's already put into scripts mm -hmm. ahead of time. Um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, I do agree with Joe to say that it's not an unpopular opinion to support, or really even a controversial one, to support Hong Kong or their protesters in this case. Um, they've been doing this since July, like you said. This has been going on for months. Uh, it's something that you, we probably don't get. I guess how it gets distributed to us is maybe I, I personally was going on Reddit just to see clips of what the, some of the alleged brutality was that was taking place. Um, some of these things, I think, especially when we think about what's going on in China, I don't know how often the people themselves, when we hear news, oh, hey, China is responding this way. I don't know, actually, I try to imagine it in the sense of like, what if we were trying to encapsulate the feelings of all Americans, right? Like, mm -hmm. is that even possible? Yeah. You know, like, it, really, like, Americans feel this way. Like, everyone is so different yeah. already, or at least, and we talk about the division in the country. It seems nearly impossible to do that, but we always get filtered an entire country's opinions, and it's always kind of just fascinating to me. 
Um, but the point I wanted to get to say is this is like millions of people, like 2 million people were in the streets doing peaceful protests for as long as they could. No change was happening. Violence takes place, I think, just in place of that. By, by all means, for them to paint the picture of it as rioting is, again, a probably controversial one in itself as well. Um, but the one that they want to push too, and we make the point that I think they said that, uh, I think in, in response, you saw the Nets owner, Joe Tsai, come out and talk about how, hey, the risk of talking about this at all in any way without having an informed opinion is you're not looking at the history of China. And they're worried that this is really a separatist movement, which, again, I think we acknowledge the fact that I don't think that's such what the, what the Hong Kong uh, residents actually want, right? It's not actually necessary to separate. I think living in under this two-system, one-government rule, and I could feel free to correct me if I'm saying that wrong too, Joe, um, it's something that I think they've, I don't know how long that agreement is going to go on for, and we, we don't know where it ends, but I think that was the plan. It's just more they have the, the five demands that you listed there. So that's really where they wanted to start. And they didn't end with the extradition bill. I think it was more of a slippery slope if they thought they would let that one slide mm-hmm. or continue on. Um, I was going on a bit of a rant there. I was kind of spewing out. I'm finding ways to kind of parse this story together because there's so much nuance involved. But I think it's it's uh, our best attempt. Yeah. Know? And I think to go back a little bit, Joe Tsai, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, um, he's the one of the founders of Alibaba, which is, I think, the Chinese Amazon um, so he's, you know, clearly a big supporter, a big, you know, big deal in China. And um, what he says really is parroting a lot of the values held by the Chinese government themselves, too. And so uh, it's very interesting. And so I think for me, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. I paid very light attention to the protests in Hong Kong. And only now have I really has it really caught my attention because it's affected something that I really enjoy, which is the NBA. And um, so I'm not going to be out here pretending like I've been closely monitoring the situation and being outraged at, you know, the police brutality going on in other parts of the world. Um, Because, like, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't been. Um, But I think the most interesting thing for me is to see within the United States, like Vinny had mentioned, an organization like the NBA, which is so outspoken and so, you know, like Vinny was saying, progressive in terms of, um, social justice, uh, human rights, equality, all these things to turn a blind eye um, and to literally, you know, be so concerned about the money that they're potentially losing out on versus what could, what really is a human rights issue as well. Um, and being completely uh, held, you know, Captive, yes, hostage, captive Mm -hmm. by the money, by another country. And then the craziest thing is that, so um, to give you guys a little picture of what the NBA and its progressivism has been, I mean, the Miami Heat after the, I'm not sure, was it Trayvon Martin in Florida? It could have been Trayvon Martin, it could have been Eric Gardner, I think, when he said, uh, I can't breathe. Yeah, they had the shirts for that. Yeah, they had the shirts, and then all the players came out and wore hoodies one game before, before, like, you know, and so, like, you look at the NFL, you know, one guy takes a knee and, like, the entire country loses their minds, right, in terms of the NFL. But the NBA is very different. And they were all very supportive of, like, hey, like, I think we should have more discussions around, you know, police brutality. I think we should have discussions about African-American um, race relations with the United States. And they're very open about this. Um, and so that's what makes it more shocking that they are staying completely silent on this issue now. Um, I think one of the coaches, Steve Kerr, he's very outspoken. He's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And then, you know, during a 
standard interview, a reporter asks him about, you know, what, what he feels like is going on in Hong Kong, you know? And he sits there and deflects every single question, you know, saying like, oh, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know enough about this. I, I, I shouldn't speak on it. I don't know. You know, but I mean, yes, I understand. It's easy to not know, but I think a 30-second Google search teaches you enough. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, we, we've been doing a lot of learning over the past couple of days. This thing really started on Saturday. I remember sending a text to Joe immediately being like, and, and this thing is just snowballing too. Like it's just going bigger and bigger and more and more fascinating in my mind. Cause I'm more just curious about what the repercussions are and how this really steps back. But to delve into some of the comments that Joe even made. Um, yeah, I think some of those, the social issues really, uh, I guess they do stand out more in this league, the NBA more than any other league, uh, to add on to that for a couple more examples is like how many leagues or how many players can look at a guy like LeBron James and speak about how vocal he has been or opposed to uh, our president, right? I mean, he's actively called him a bum on Twitter, Mm -hmm. which for most people could actually fall behind for the most part, wherever you lay. I mean, to see that happen and for that not to be like a violent backlash or even a fine imposed, you have the, the NBA commissioner coming out and being like, I do support Freedom of expression, which I think is what's actually coming into question here. Uh, obviously, Daryl was able to come back, and I think it seems like maybe supposedly against his will. I, I, I'm not reporting this. I'm not actually that deep into the story to know, but he had this issue, a somewhat apology. I mean, it wasn't really one, I think, if you read it mm-hmm. out the day after yeah. the fact. It um, seems like something that maybe could have been uh, dictated by the owner themselves or just something you had to put out to try to quell whatever anger and um, was going on at the time. Uh, but clearly it's not sufficient enough. And I don't know what the actual demands are at this point for whether or not to be, hey, uh, the Rockets were removed from the streaming deal and fans were redirected to go follow some other teams, right? But like, how do you undo any of that? Right. It's probably one of the biggest questions that I have now at this point. And one of, the, one of their star players, James Harden, apologized on behalf of his general manager to the media being like, yeah, we're, we're so sorry. We love China. Like... That's crazy, you know? I'll tell you what. I think the bigger point that I think I wanted to try to make there is ultimately you mentioned, like, you know, overall the silence that's been coming out, and this was just way more deafening than any comments that could come out mm-hmm. really at this point. And I think ultimately Adam Silver had to kind of issue a real statement from him, not just, you know, a, a league official, uh, which really clearly wasn't enough. I can't say it cited word for word, but it just felt like a lot of BS when you read it originally, almost as if it was condemning or not really supporting Daryl Morey's freedom of expression um but stepping back i think talking about all these guys that we're near naming right now whether it be lebron james and the social activist that we see him as greg popovich as a coach i think even looking online a lot of these guys a lot of fans in the nba american or not are probably just really upset at these guys for not saying anything at all yeah i don't think we've seen a single player go out of their way to say, say they stand in solidarity or support daryl morey it seems like everyone is in fear of, again of making the situation worse because i think it's one thing to say um I'm not saying that some of these guys don't have opinions about it, right? I think they clearly do. And not to say that every single dude in, in the NBA or some of the guys on the higher level that are more politically inclined, so to speak, are unaware of these protests. I think all of us had some idea that they were going on. And we're not turning a blind eye. Um, but their silence is way more deafening. And I think almost an indication of cowardice, right? Yeah. You talk about being brave and, like again, standing for what you actually think the league is about, right? Social... I mean, whether you're being liberal or being progressive, that's one thing. But to actually not say anything at all and then to just try to pr- protect the bottom line, it just kind of feels really cynical and kind of dark. And, and You're right. I think for us as NBA fans, you think you can just enjoy a sport that's supposed to be fun and entertaining. 
but ultimately like for you to have 17 takes whether it be about the Boston Celtics or <laughs> or for me about the Sixers but to not even have a feeling about this just feels kind of I don't know I guess empty so yeah to speak. I think it's kind of like surprising like if you don't want to do if you don't are at least inclined to do a little more reading and you call yourself an NBA fan like I don't know how you separate the two ideas it's so intertwined right I think now like I think it's because the NBA and the players have chosen to put themselves out there as a socially progressive league. And like, if they had never pretended to put on airs like that, I don't think anyone would have an issue about them not saying anything because that's, it'd be consistent, you know, but it's inconsistent now. And like, I think one of the comments I saw on Reddit, it like made me laugh a lot was like the, the James or LeBron James thing was like, yeah, like, we're more than athletes, and, like, you can't just tell us to shut up and dribble, you know? But then one of the comments is, like, LeBron James says, I'm going to just shut up and dribble, <laughs> you know? Like, and I was, like, I was cracking up, you know? I was, like, oh, my God, you know? But, like, I mean, I from what I understand is that he's in China right now, so he can't say anything. Um, yeah. Uh, and so, like, that's literally out of for his own safety. And so I'm not holding this against him. And any of the NBA players that are currently in China, I don't expect them to say anything at all because they might get thrown in jail, you know? They might mm-hmm. get a, a LiAngelo Ball kind of deal where they get thrown in prison and then Trump has to go bail them out allegedly, right? But, um, allegedly, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so it's like, it's shocking. Um, like, you'd expect some some flip-flopping like this from, like, say, Trump, you know? like, uh, But he wouldn't expect flip-flopping from this from, like, players who have seemingly been... Uh, morally upright in their views on social issues. Um, yeah, it, I guess I'm not going to go as far to say that it's kind of a gut punch in a lot of ways because I feel as if, I think a lot of this excuse that might be made is that we talk about that these are real issues that are happening in America, right? Like they're able to speak towards stuff that they can relate to and it's happening to us. But mm-hmm. like when all of a sudden, not, not to say that this is the first real controversy, I suppose you could say, or at least uh issue that's going on in the world that's been ignored but at least it's one of the more pressing ones i suppose i'm not trying to measure that i don't want to go to get into that argument about hey we're not acknowledging china's treatment of muslims or their supposed <laughs> i feel like I'm... see why do i feel like kind of afraid to talk about these things i'm more worried of maybe putting the record incorrectly let's mm-hmm. just put it that way alleged organ harvesting organ harvesting <laughs> concentration camps like that's what that's the terminology that's being thrown around here and i think that's why Maybe some guys are like a little bit hesitant to talk about it, but like I'm reading it. You know what I mean? I'm seeing it all over the place. Right. Um, and like you think about, yeah. you think about like, um, you know, how it's struggling to relate to it. Right. But you think about, you know, if LeBron James can tweet at the president and say you're a bum, that's something that gets you literally killed elsewhere, you know? Mm, and like, right. that's something that you should be able to relate to as an individual, being able to say literally whatever you want, whenever you want on whatever platform you'd like. Um, you know, having his own TV show where he's able to talk about social issues, that kind of thing. Uh, and all the players should be able to relate to that. And I think that's something that, you know, whether you're Chinese or not, or you're, you know, an NBA player who's well-read on an issue or not, I think that's something that you can understand and at least empathize with. Um, and I think maybe not having the capacity to think beyond yourself or outside of your own situation is an issue that a lot of people have. But I think being in a position of power or a position of influence, I think, you know, being selective about it is important. But I think in this instance, this is something that they should have, that I'm disappointed that more players haven't taken a stronger stance on. 
Right. I, it's, I think if anything else, whether or not you agree with their views, you do look at it as a bit of, it's, it's inspiring to see this guy speak out because we care about what they think about, right? In the age of where these superstars and megastars, and I, I kind of take, I'm taking this point from the Bill Simmons show when I listened to this morning, is like they went from being guys that like are, they don't have any opinions, right? They're opinionless. They just make their, cut their check, make their monies, they're, they're idols, they're untouchable. To actually kind of making them come down to earth a little bit more, I think hearing mm-hmm. guys, especially like LeBron James, makes them feel more real to me. When I hear him express his opinions or maybe say something that maybe I agree with or express an opinion that I actually can fall behind too. It's interesting to see actually the only people that really seem to be able to speak about this freely are the ones that maybe it helps their agenda the most. Politicians. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? They're hopping all over this. Yeah. And it's a bipartisan issue, right? (laughs) For us to be able to say be as anti-China as possible or authoritarian rule. Uh, I guess in this case is what they're going to maybe try to posture it as. You guys have guys across the board from Ted Cruz, who is from, you know, obviously from Texas, uh, he's a legit Houston Rockets fan, and uh, you know AOC over in, in uh, New York. So uh, there, I think there was actually a story that came out. This is relatively new, so I don't really know what the nature of it was, but I think they wrote a letter to Commissioner Adam Silver just kind of maybe condemning the actions of the NBA or maybe their lack of response so far, or not, like, them not being maybe strong enough, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's really just compelling. I feel like there's no way to ignore this across the board, especially we talked about LeBron James too, right? And, and I think this is coming off the heels of him doing his TV show and he's the governor of California or whatever is signing the bill to allow NCA or college, college players get paid in that state. I mean, that's coming off the heels of that story, right? Like, I think we want to know what these guys think yeah. personally. And I think even beyond just the NBA portion, I think this is the first time I've ever really recognized the influence that other countries have on us, too. Like, I mean, I think, you know, if, if a movie gets censored and the scripts are censored, we don't see that. We just see the end product. And I don't really care about how the sausage gets made. Right. Like, I'm just eating it, <laughs> you know. And uh, but then this is the first time where I have really recognized that, oh, my God, like I'm watching this happen live in terms of uh, especially like ESPN. Right. Everyone watches ESPN. But then there was a memo that was leaked, written by, I think, one of their presidents saying, you do not talk about this issue, about Hong Kong versus China. You are not talking about it, right? And, like, the fact that that memo gets leaked is showing everybody exactly how that ESPN sausage is being made. And I'm not sure I like what's coming out of it. I'm not sure I like what's being put into it, you know? Um, So, like, for a sports, for, like, a sports network, to not be able to discuss the issues at hand out of fear of their parent company, you know, losing money from China is shocking. I mean, I think the, the idea of journalism is supposed to be, you know, unbiased. It's supposed to be, um, you know, true. That, that Like the nature of their job is to seek truth, you know. But here they're clearly obfuscating whatever it is and they're impeding people's ability to speak to the truth, which really makes me question, like, is there journalistic integrity, you know? And I know this probably shouldn't be the first time I'm questioning it because I'm sure it affects everything. Like people will complain about Fox News, people complain about CNN or MSNBC or whatever, and like who influences those things. But this is my first time seeing an outside, like an overt outside influence on the American media. Uh, that's I think that's an incredibly uh, relatable point, man. You know what I mean? Like I think we're coming to the same point that, that these guys should be objective. This is like the biggest story 
I don't know what since when Don Sterling getting kicked out. I mean, bigger than, yeah. but, but even but even more impactful than that, right? It feels like that was a pretty, in my mind, easy decision to make. Yeah. At the time, yeah, dump him out. This guy's clearly bad news, and we've all known it for a long time. But like for the most popular state, like news organization, not being able to just talk about it, like and disperse information to us, it makes you question all the information that you've been given so far, right? Like, right. Like I've known. At this point, I would have thought it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I joked about how high, I thought the highest of highlights was like I can't follow that because I'm like he's kind of pushing in the narrative. Like, yeah. I, can, I can acknowledge that, but like, uh. like I've known that ESPN just has an agenda to push about, you know, Ben Simmons being a good basketball player, right? And I understand that. <laughs> I get it. Like, you have an agenda push. You got money. You got to make money off these people. You got to do something about it. You know, you got to broadcast some fucking Sixers games on on TV. You know, whatever. Like, sure. I get it. You got an agenda, but I thought it was an American agenda. You know, <laughs> I just, I didn't, I'm just shocked to see that. Like now we are being fed the Chinese agenda, and like, not to sound like uber nationalist, but you know, like, I don't know. It just feels weird to have another country dictating what's going on in your own. And I'm sure the rest of the world, if anyone from the rest of the world listens to this, they're probably like, "Hey, fuck you, man. This is what America does to all of us." You know. Yeah. <laughs> but you know but hey like i didn't expect it coming from other people right and so a uh, bit of like yeah it just feels weird feels weird no that's, that's that's totally it man i mean the more i find myself i think the first conversation i had honestly like you can ask a couple of people like even with uh with shannon dude like i just I, every every morning i give her a little bit of new news <laughs> Obviously, she loves me telling her, but like, it, it, I find myself kind of thinking about different aspects. It's not just the singular story, but like all this, the web that's been created, like everyone involved, uh, political or otherwise, just thinking about how it influences like, corporations, how, the products we buy, the, the stories that we ingest, how we get the news. Like, if they're, I mean, I really think about it like constantly. Like, if they can't tell us to a straight, how can we find a reliable, like, who can we trust? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like this is like our red pill, blue pill moment. You know? <laughs> I watched the I watched the Matrix last night, and I thought that that's like, I needed to, because I was like, man, I need, would I take the red, I was like, of course I'd take the red pill, for sure. <laughs> I, would, I would, I think, to, I asked myself that question after I saw that movie, and I was like, I, I think I definitely would. I don't think I could live that comfortable life or go back to it knowing what I could know. Yeah. You know? Uh, but dude, this is. It's crazy. Also, kind of just really that's ah, sad's not the right word I'm looking for. I guess it just op- opens you up to just be more uh, really disappointed, like you said yeah. before. That's probably a better. And word. I think going forward, it's going to make me more cynical. Like anything, and like honestly, like anything Steve Kerr says, like he might, you know what, he might come out, you know, next week and come out, you know, with a strong statement condemning, you know, all this stuff. But I think from now on, like I'm gonna take what he says with a grain of salt. Be like, oh, well, how much did you research that? You know, like. I think he's a great coach. I'm sure he's a great guy. I, I, I have no doubts about either one, you know. But this moment just kind of soured me on the nature of, I don't know, people. And I think, like, honestly, like, it'd be a tough choice. Like, say you and I were in that position where we were, you know, on the brink of losing, you know, 90% of our paycheck for saying something. I think I would really have to sit there and swallow my pride and, like, think about, well, should I say it? You know, and it's a terrifying reality to, 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 to come to face with. And so I'm not saying I don't have empathy for the players, for the coaches, for anybody, um, you know, who are in these positions to lose a lot of money. 
Because um, I think we st- we're sitting here and we're, we're openly discussing this because I think we, not to say we don't have anything to lose, but clearly it's easy for us to judge them. Yeah. Right. So for us, I mean, in the positions they are. At most, we're losing three Chinese listeners. I don't know if they get our podcast over there, but at most, you know, <laughs> we might lose three, after, of our, three of our 11 listeners. But <laughs> yeah, after this goes live, I don't think we're going to be. <laughs> censorship will be ahead, I think. Yeah. Of course. In fact, if you hear this podcast afterwards and all you hear is just a high-pitched frequency, then it's because we've been censored. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I was joking with a buddy over lunch today. I was like, you know, this would make a crazy 30 for 30. And then I was like, wait, ESPN does 30 for 30. <laughs> They're not running this. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, those are my thoughts on the NBA, Hong Kong, Daryl Morey. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to go out of my way to criticize our boy, dude, our, our golden guy. I just thought about him, but, like, I think I even thought about it just for even a second when he signed with the uh, the Beijing uh, Ducks. Oh, Jeremy. Our boy, our boy Jeremy. But I, he's been skirting this this entire career, though, right? I mean, one that we, we looked at him as a, like, a, obviously a money-generating player, not just only in America for Asian-Americans, but overseas how widely popular mm-hmm. he was. I'm not, I mean, now he's, now he's out of the equation, but I, I, I don't want to ever expect, I don't know. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not going to be equally as disappointed because I think he hasn't been known to speak out. I mean, if anything, he's speaking out towards issues that affect our daily lives, which seemingly has no consequence, yeah. right? But gives us what I feel like a voice that wasn't speaking for us before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, maybe I'm just making a point. I mean, yeah. this, how, many, how many times? He needs Taiwanese. Yeah, American. He's, but he's American, you know. Yeah, and it's a tough situation for him too, because I mean, shoot, like NBA players, they can play in the U.S., but man, that guy, like his entire paycheck is from China. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. seems like a conflict of interest there too. I don't want to completely absolve him of everything, just because I love him. But um, I don't know. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry for even throwing Jeremy's name in the ring like yeah. that, man. Jeremy, but... I apologize, man. I apologize on behalf of Vinny, just like James Harden apologized on behalf of Daryl Morey. <laughs> sorry, I love you, Jeremy. We love Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, uh, of uh, misinformation that, you know, you mentioned Ben Simmons being a great player. Too, uh, <laughs> the fact that people are talking about Jason Tatum as a potential MVP candidate is... Wait, just, is that really being bandied about? I have not seen that. I saw it. There's like a, a Reddit there's comment? A screen, there's a screenshot talking about like uh, potential MVPs and, and like he, his company was... I'm trying to think who he was, who he was against, right? Like... Um, I mean, obviously, guys like yeah, the Giannis types, um, James Harden, who ultimately might be influenced in an MVP race because I think China, um, China has media uh, guys actually vote in the races, right? I don't know how about percentage, obviously, but like you know, he's not going to get their vote anymore, <laughs> yeah. even if he wouldn't matter he what he exist. says now. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't exist. Um, but uh, I wanted to come. I, I don't know how, how we segue out of this conversation. Uh, we can talk uh, about. Mm, well, Ben Simmons shot a three, and he made it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, speaking of Ben Simmons and the Sixers, I'll, I'll just try to get ahead of the story first. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, no, wait. You, first why, off, you go, fuck you the do Sixers. It, <laughs> Vinny, explain why we should hate your team. Uh, well, so the um, while all this was happening, like really like just like yesterday, the uh, a team, from, I don't know how to say Guangzhou or something like that. There's a Chinese basketball team that was actually playing during the preseason in uh, Philadelphia uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, yeah, again, a, the CBA team playing in, 
an NBA squad. That was allowed to happen. Believe me, one now. Uh, but during the game, there was uh, two fans. I think um, now I don't know the actual history themselves. I just know that they their views were pretty clear. They had they had cardboard signs that said "Free Hong Kong." Mm-hmm. Um, and the story goes that they're actually removed from the stadium for what was known as causing a nuisance or ex- affecting the live. Uh, game experience at least that's what the uh, Sixers statement had come out with along in parallel with Wells Fargo because we're being told that those entities are separate like Sixers don't really have security it's the arena but to say that the two don't you know yeah stand for the same thing I'm gonna be willing to call that BS but ultimately these fans were removed now there's been stories to kind of come back and say no these fans actually really weren't causing that much of a, a stir they just happened to be right by the away team's bench, this Chinese basketball association team. And so that was enough to be offensive. Now, we can argue the rules of when you go to a game, what you're allowed to talk about, what you're allowed to hold signs for. But I think just in this moment of in the mass sensitivity around it, mm-hmm. Sixers made it clear where they stand, I think, or at least in, in line with the rest of the NBA, to remove them pretty much immediately, I think. The guy go yells, free Hong Kong on his way out. That's that's what I know of the story, Joe. Yeah. What are your takes? From uh, that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much exactly as Vinny reported it, uh, you know, because you heard it here first. But um, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I hate the Sixers, man, and this just makes me hate them a lot more. No, no but uh, yeah, I think big, one of the biggest issues, like they were sitting in nosebleeds, no one would care, but they were sitting right behind the bench, and TV TV cameras are always behind, like you know, they always got they're always trained on the bench, and so. Um, so I got a TV sitting behind the Atlanta Hawks bench. But, um, go Jeremy, I love you. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I could, I would be allowed to hold a Jeremy, I love you sign. Um, Vinny sent me a very funny one earlier. It's very inappropriate. But, <laughs> yeah, I kind of think say it over the pot. You know, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. It's Photoshop, right? It's a Photoshop sign. Yeah, it's Photoshop. Yeah, it's not real. <laughs> there's a Photoshop like picture of some lady holding up his sign that says, "Jeremy, I want you inside me." <laughs> But anyways, I would be allowed to hold a Jeremy I Love You sign, you know, because it would be related to the game if I was at a Jeremy Lin game. But, uh, you know, according to their rules, you can only hold up, like, related signs. But I've seen tons of unrelated signs at games before, and those fans never got removed. So I think this is one of those instances of selective adherence to their to their rules. Um, you know, normally it's pretty laissez-faire, but this time they were like, ooh, Hong Kong, get them out of here, you know? And so, tough situation. But uh, I applaud them because I think without them getting removed, um, I think without them becoming like martyrs for the cause, essentially, uh, they wouldn't have gotten as much attention and, you know, as much scrutiny on the 76ers. The overall point for me, too, I think, is that, like, I'm question. I think this, this story has to linger, uh, at least in America media's conscience, I don't I mean, how can this go away? I, I don't really know. I, I think obviously ESPN and the NBA wants this to go away as fast as possible. Probably everyone maybe involved that has business interests here would like this to be silenced for the most part. I mean, they can't control it. We live in America. We have this ability to keep talking speak about freely. It. Yeah. Keep talking about it. But like stories like that, this I tell, someone tells me that this really cannot be the only time, dude. And that was only two people. And now that that story's out, and, and obviously there's, I think detail is still developing. They're requesting an interview with the actual people that got kicked out so we can really hear their perspective right, versus the statement that was been portrayed or maybe the opinions of people that are sitting around them, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I really can't imagine this is going to stop 
in just I mean Philadelphia of all places, but uh, arenas across America, and the season's just about to start. Mm-hmm. So this is a very dicey situation for the league, and I'm very excited to see how it pans out. And like, so we're getting this story coming in, and then I, I, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to enjoy. Uh, Trey Young nutbagging <laughs> JJ uh, Redick. JJ Redick, you know, and he's flailing his arm. It was like the per- the best best slow mo video I've seen in a while. And you have all these like you know watching Zion Williams play not for the first time, but like seeing him in action, right? Dunking all Lonzo over ball, people. Dunking all over people. Uh, Lonzo Ball's new shot. Um, oh, he's yeah. looking pretty. He's looking pretty slick. Um, you know, seeing the chemistry of Big Al Horford on playing his natural position. You know, happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> gonna be a game changer, you know, for real. But there's there's all these stories going on, and it feels like, uh, man, my my head keeps keeps going back to this story. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like it's just painting my whole experience. Yeah. You know? Like I think because normally this time of year in the NBA, like this is the time when I I'm not gonna lie and say every team dreams of winning, <laughs> but uh, it's a good like 15 teams in the league actually have real aspirations of like doing really well that season and so like normally that's when like this is when the hype train starts like really really picking up speed and so like you know you see jason tatum taking eight three-pointers four layups and only two mid-range jumpers you know and you're like wow such improvement you know and like normally at this time of year i'd be telling Vinny, hey mvp candidate jason tatum you're like okay kobe not kobe Co- Kobe, not not Kobe, <laughs> not Kobe, <you> know. <laughs> not not Kobe. Yeah, got you. Got yeah, you. but um, but yeah, now we're here, we're sitting here talking about Hong Kong for forty five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, man. But at least we're talking. Yeah, I feel like the the thing that's getting lost, especially if you're gonna be, I think the main like so we talk about the popular with what I mean. I keep going back to it. I'm sorry if I feel like I'm a broken record. If ESPN's all, all you do is that you know the venue for you to consume sports media and news and they're not going to be like willing to acknowledge the the situation even at all in hong kong they're just going to talk about daryl moore sorry for lack of a better word but fucking up you know yeah. what I, mean? I think that that's the message that seems to be peddling it's like what are you thinking daryl and we can all acknowledge yeah what were you thinking daryl because he had to take it back he didn't stand on he, it wasn't like he was daryl wasn't thinking on that saturday evening or night while he was in japan right? yeah he wasn't thinking I'm willing to go down for this. Yeah, you know what I mean, this is the hill I die on. No, like, this Kong. is it for me. Yeah. This is it for me. You know, but I think it did come from an emotional place. That's my take on it. I mean, he had. A, I think his original backing was that he had friends in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I think that's where his sympathy like laid. He he knows what's going on in that situation. So he's like, this feels like a pretty, like a not a home run, but like okay. I mean, this is the NBA. It's right? a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, I, I can do this. Like we're all doing this. Maybe that's what allowed him to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I, I kind of I lost my thought here. I lost my train of thought. I was just thinking about ESPN and how if everyone else is getting this news this way, we're at least talking about it yeah. and opening up all like at least I don't know. I guess maybe it's clear where we stand, but like ultimately, I hope we presented as many facts as possible. Yeah. And if they're if we're wrong, let's talk about it. If, if these guys always come back to us and they're saying, "I'm having all these conversations and I'm talking to people that know more than me," and they're never going to come out to to revisit it again. Yeah. I, I think. I forget, it was like somebody, was it Steph? Steph. I think Steph was being, I don't know about how many ballsy reporters are going to try to ask every player about this or not, or maybe whatever internal memo might be, have been initiated in the league. But I think Steph was asked about it recently, and he just thought like, yeah, you know, I stand with Adam. So maybe something along those lines, but you kind of just dance around it yeah. as much as possible without giving a real opinion. 
Um, yeah, I don't think that many... seems to be the company line right now. Yeah, I don't think many reporters are going to be asking like JaVale McGee what he thinks about the situation. He's going to be like, if he was like, yeah, I didn't do any reading about it, I'd be like, yeah, I believe you. Probably doesn't know how to read. <laughs> but then, um, you know, if you ask like, you know, one of the more high profile guys like, you know, like LeBron or Steph or any of these guys, then like, I would expect them to be like, yeah, I looked into it. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, I kind of equate it to like, it depends on who you're asking, right? Here's a, a event that took place during the preseason. Really, one of I, I mentioned a couple of funny things, but Justin Anderson got uh, <laughs> bopped in the head with a ball from Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris is paid. He's a, a guaranteed contract with uh, the Knicks. You know, fifteen mil fifth, pa- to be the fifth or fourth power forward on that team, whatever. <laughs> and um, yeah, like yeah, obviously, yeah, he he can act on his own accord, right? He'll get ejected from a preseason game, <laughs> and no one's gonna bat an eye. But Justin Anderson, people were like, why didn't you fight back, Justin? Like, you're going to let him do that to you? Just bop you on the head? <laughs> I, I encourage everyone to watch this clip, though, because... It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, he reacts like anybody else would. Like, you're just playing hard defense or anything out of space, but he just, like, they call it a street ball move. Just boom, right in the face. And then he just, like, looks perplexed. He doesn't actually swing or anything. You just kind of pump your, push, you know, uh, pump your chest a little bit, run into the guy, act like you're going to fart a fight without actually fart. doing it. <laughs> oh, fart. No. <laughs> But yeah, Chester Hansen—he's he's fighting for a place in the league, right? He can't. Yeah. Uh, I think there's something to be said, maybe about his own inaction, not him being more uh, shy to fight, but more so thinking, I, I can't do this because I need to make my way in the league. Yeah, so, I can't someone should speak uh, out. Yeah, someone should make a gif of that and like put like Daryl Morey over Justin Anderson's face, and then like NBA over uh, Marcus Morris's face, and just bop, where he hits him on the head with the basketball. I guess maybe maybe better would be the owner of the Rockets. Oh yeah, Joe Frittata. <laughs> yeah, Tillman Frittata. Oh gosh. Oh man. man. But yeah, I think. Um, I mean, is that is that all we've got for uh, for Hong Kong talk? I, I mean, I think there's always going to be more to share, man. I'm not going to say it ends here. I yeah. can't promise our listeners, no matter how tired you you might have been hearing about our politics or. Yeah, my how we're covering this story. It's not over, man. It's so fluid. Everything's still going on. Yeah. We'll keep you updated. Stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, if you're, if every, all the other podcasts are going to be not talking about this, at least you'll guarantee you'll hear from us. Yeah. But if you stop hearing from us about this topic, it's because we got paid, baby. Hulu has live sports. <laughs> Tencent has live sports. Sponsor the pod. Oh, I was going to get dark with the deal. I was like, because we've been. We've been captured. Oh, oh no! Dude, I was, I was, I'm, I'm like, I'm just out here looking for the payday, man. Like, I don't think I'm gonna get, you know, arrested. Please don't arrest me. You know, that's the thing though. We're put, we're putting this out into the uh, the ether, so to speak, man. You know, this is in the public forum. Mm-hmm. People will come back to this, and uh, we can lose our future job or employments because of our opinions here, man. Yo, that'd be Jeez. mad funny though. It's like. One day I'm like applying to work at Alibaba or something. They're like, "Hey, by the way, uh, episode five of the Two Asians podcast. What's that about, buddy?" <laughs> like, delete. <laughs> They're like, oh, "I need to read more about this subject. I need to uh, need to consult some people about the issues at hand." I uh, I apologize. I wasn't well versed at the time. It'll be a year later, and you'd be like, um, "I was a young man back then. I didn't." didn't know as much as i know now i was only 27 what was i supposed to say what was i supposed to do i'm just a child <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> oh man 
But um, I think, yeah, beyond that, um, Vinny's running a marathon on Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if I wasn't, you know, there's enough on my plate. Yeah, I'm dealing <laughs> with this. <laughs> Oppression. I'm trying to deal with this story, and my, my legs uh, my, my legs are actually feeling pretty good. Um, uh, this they, they, There's advised, or they call it tapering. I'm, I'm tapering right now, so we're not doing as much running as we have up to this point. But uh, race is right there, man. I'm just knocking on the door. I lost in all this is the fact that we're traveling to Chicago, and I, like, I'm like, wait a second, that's cool. Like, we're going to Chicago. Ooh. How's the... That's uh... awesome. Can't let the wait. Are you are you gonna fly there? How early? So the thing is, um, the race is on Sunday, and we're actually gonna be flying out like early Saturday morning. Ooh, so it's cutting it close. Now. Trying, I don't I don't want my brain to go in the. We'll start worrying about hey, if flight gets canceled and all this stuff, blah blah blah. I'm hoping everything gets goes off without a hitch. Weather looks like it's gonna be fine, so that shouldn't be a problem. What's your uh, final meal gonna be? You know, uh, back when I was doing cross country in high school, we'd always do uh, pasta nights and stuff. Carbo. I guess it was carbo load. So looking at eating a lot of noodles, Italian noodles. Nah. <laughs> if I was Italian, if you asked me if I was a risotto guy or a noodle, uh, dude, noodles for sure. <laughs> yeah. But what about yeah, noodles over risotto? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think risotto is a primary grain. I don't want to speak for all Italian cuisine, or that maybe that shows what I know. But dude, noodles over <laughs> grain for uh, sure. Odd because you know you were you're a rice guy, not a noodle guy. No, that's that's totally true, man. I actually had some Thai food for dinner tonight. You know, just breaking it up, and uh, ten out of ten times I'd be like, "Give me the fried rice." <laughs> all the other noodles are okay, but. uh yeah, man, the the race. Is, I'm a little bit excited, a little bit nervous. I, you know, we put in a lot of work. Been training since June. I think that's the thing. Um, why I embrace such catchphrases now, trademarked. Trust the process a lot. It's true in a lot of life. Like, man, the, the race is there. It's a big day, but like, it's the the work you put in to to kind of get there. You know, I think do it's going to pay off. Do you and Shannon run at the same pace? Yeah, no, our, our, our plan is to, throughout the marathon, this one, you know, we, we're training at the same pace. We're, we've been training together for all of our speed workouts on the track, um, doing consistent times. Yeah, she's for sure faster than me, so I'm, I'm trying to keep up. Ooh, but, so what you should do is, like, you know, conserve your energy until, like, that last quarter mile, and then just book it, dude, just burn her, and then just, like, just gloat the entire plane ride home, just gloat. Nah, dog. Nah, you. dog. We're, 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 it's it's it, you know the methodology for a lot of um, runners actually is, you know, you get to that first twenty miles, right, and then it's the last six is anyone's race. Like you, you kind of unleash yourself then because you go in earlier. You unleash you risk... for six miles. Yeah, dude. Oh my god. I I would say that there's, if anything left in the tank at that point, you gotta let it go. That's that's my and I'm not some seasoned runner, but this is my second marathon. Um, I think just it's a feat in itself just to get to 20. For me, I, I remember when I was training, you can only you, you never actually do the full 26. You, you really never want to do that because it just takes so much out of your body. Um, but the highest we've done is 22. And I remember when the first race that I did, it's kind of this crazy, not game that you're playing with yourself, but like it's a big unknown, like a big question mark. Like what happens after I, I've only done up to 22? What's my body going to react like after for the next four miles and it's a long four miles man or if it's a long six the way i described it but anyways man we got i'm i'm, I'm here for it dude i'm i appreciate everyone's support so far i appreciate you for donating to uh the ronald mcdonald house charities as well i feel like i'm running for a lot of people and i know you guys will be there with me uh, 
on Sunday. So hell yeah, I'm there. It's gonna be on NBC. <laughs> Look really? Me. I think so. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I had this funny daydream. This is the last thing I'm probably gonna delve into as, as far as marathon running. But I, I imagine, like, because some of the races that you do watch on TV, they're they're always showing the like the lead, right? Like who's actually up top. And they always like, obviously the season runners, like these are known names mm-hmm. in, the, in the running world. I was like, what if some like no name like myself, obviously it's not going to happen. Trust me. But <laughs> I date, that's why it's a daydream. I was imagining like, I was actually for whatever reason, like lead, like in the leader group. And I was like, how are they, how would they handle it? How would the coverage handle? Like, uh, we have a uh, Vienna beep, beep, beep. Um, <laughs> f- from North Carolina. Uh, I don't know what he does. I don't know what he's doing here, but, <laughs> but it yeah, I think it would just be baffling. He has a, a sign tatted on his forehead that says free HK. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I I don't uh, I don't know everything about the situation. Let me just uh, <laughs> do some research. I'll get back to you about that one. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I, I imagine. I think it'd be pretty cool. It'd be the coolest feeling, actually, to actually somehow do that. You know how to do it. Um, how? Like... If I were to sign up for that Chicago Marathon right now, tell me. Yeah. Literally, what I would do, I would just sprint two miles, just <laughs> dead sprint. You'd be on TV. They'd be like, "Look at this idiot go!" You know, but I'd be booking it. Bruh, I, I'd have to actually tell you what the actual like starting. People always start these things pretty fast. So, even for what you consider experiments, these guys are just they're chugging. They are chugging. Even are, if you think it's like the beginning, man. Are it's... you questioning my six-second forty-yard dash? <laughs> My apologies, Joe. Yeah, my apologies. I mean, I'm not, I'm not running a a four four two or a four two zero, but my six, my six dotto dead forty. Hmm. Don't sleep on it. <laughs> but yeah, I remember uh, doing army stuff. Like whenever we had a PT test in college, the army requires you to run like a two mile. That's it for their physical physical fitness test, and. Uh, There'd be guys who, like, don't run all year round, and they're like, oh, shit, you know? And then they Google, like, what to do before a race. And so they eat, like, a fuckload of pasta, like, the night before. Like, oh, yeah, I'm carbo-loading. I'm like, dude, you, that's not, like, it's not going to help you. Like, you haven't run all year. You're still, like, <laughs> eating this bowl of pasta is probably going to make it worse because, you know, we're running at 5 in the morning the next day, you know? Yeah. And so these guys are just, like, wolfing down pizza and, like, and like pasta, pizza, loaves of bread. And like the next morning, they're like, "Oh, I feel terrible." And like, you see some of these guys just puking on the side after they just like jog two miles. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And so when I hear you saying that you're going to carbo load, I I really respect that because I think that's like a legitimate carb load <laughs> instead of like just gorging yourself at like you know fucking Olive Garden the night before a BD test. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't know if this is a good time for, you know, obviously I've been doing this running for a while, but you've been up to some fun stuff for the past, uh, was it a week, two weeks up to this point? Yeah, um, I think I could easily say that the last two weeks have been the best two weeks of my life. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think, yeah, so I went to, uh, so I just came back from Spain. Well, I mean, to say just came back, I think I came back almost a week ago um, from Spain did a 10-day trip to uh, Madrid, Barcelona, and did a little day trip to Valencia. Uh, it was awesome. I, th- I really enjoyed Spain a lot. Um, went to a VIP, uh, got some VIP tickets to the Real Madrid game with two of my friends. Um, that was cool. You get treated like kings, dude. It's it's like 
Because, like, over, I mean, for me, one of the things I hate the most is, like, being unabashedly American overseas. Um, and so, like, if we're at a restaurant, like, I would literally try to order in Spanish. Like, my, mi español es muy malo. You know, it's pretty bad, right? But, uh, you know, I would start off the conversation sitting in a restaurant be like, hola, buena, right? Just say that. And then be like, tienes un menu? You got a menu, you know? Um, but then, like, when you go to the VIP section of, like, the Real Madrid game, like, they know everyone's a foreigner pretty much. And so, like, it was kind of refreshing just to be able to be like, can I get a beer? <laughs> like, and just getting, like, unlimited drinks, unlimited food is awesome. Um, did some sightseeing, went to Barcelona. Uh, Madrid was awesome, though. Vinny knows why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. But, hey, I, you know, my question for you, I, I didn't get a chance to ask before, is, like, you, you've had a couple of really, like, awesome experiences at sporting events. How does it even compare to, like, your courtside uh, basketball game, mm. you know, DC, obviously not the DC, sorry, the Wizards, the Wiz Kids versus the Hawks, and uh, having that VIP experience, how, how does that compare? So, yeah, so I've had three total, I think. Um, so I've been, I got VIP tickets to the Real Madrid game, sat courtside at the Wizards-Hawks game, and then actually this past Sunday, to cap off the best two weeks of my life, we got like what's called Dream Seat tickets at the Redskins-Patriots game here in Landover, Maryland. And, um, yeah, I would say, I would say the experience of courtside is the best, like without a doubt, hands down the best. And then soccer second and then football third. Cause I think, I think in that order, in terms of spectator sports, those are the best way to see it live. Anyways, I think nothing compares to NBA games live and then being courtside at like a Wizards game, like the court's tiny. I mean, compared to like a soccer pitch or a football field and so like you're in poor sweat distance like you can see them sweating out of their pores like like you can hear them talking to each other you can talk to them i literally like i saw john collins I was like dude you're playing well and then he like looked back at me he was like nodded and smiled and i was like oh, he looked at me you know <laughs> and it was like a little weird you know I, he's younger than me and uh but i was i was in awe you know good man's a massive man um, yeah, so that was really cool. Um, but at the Real Madrid game, it, they had liquor too. That was unlimited. So that was pretty nice. Um, definitely took advantage of that. Also, if any of you ever go to Madrid, the club scene there, wild. They party till six in the morning. And, uh, the women there, um, gorgeous. Like, I've never been in a, in a city where I was awestruck at, like, almost every single woman I saw. Like, my jaw was, like, I'm not, like, a pervert, you know? Like, I was, you're not going like, <laughs> to... So, like, I'm not one of those, like, creepy guys that just ogles women in the streets, right? Like, that's just weird, right? I'm not, like, elevator-eyeing everybody. But, no, you like, had your sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool sunglasses, if I might add. But, um, but, yeah, like, you're just, like, sitting there and you're like, oh, my God. Like, you're just in shock, you know? Um and so it was crazy. I uh, had a pretty fun experience at the club, Teatro Capital. Um, the, if you're going to go clubbing in Madrid, I would highly suggest that one. It's, it was honestly better than any club I've ever been to, including in Vegas. Um, just the production value of the club itself. It's seven floors, but it's all in a ring where they're all looking down on the main event stage. And so you can be on any one of these seven floors just looking down on it or on the main event floor just going ham. Um, good times. Uh, very funny stories that I've shared with Vinny, um, but I'm not going to share on the pod. 
Yeah, th- those stories are behind our paywall. You know, <laughs> if you subscribe to our Patreon, you might be able to get it. Yeah. Oh, actually, I haven't even finished telling Vinny the story yet. No, it's to be TBD. Oh yeah. Or no, TBC. Yeah, to be continued. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll take that one offline. You know, a lot of podcasts I do, I listen to, like they'll just tell the story and then they'll play some like elevator music in the background. <laughs> But I don't want to put you at risk of that. We'll, we'll just stop recording and I'll, you can tell me the rest. Yeah. If you're listening and you know what this story is, then you can just smile with me right now and laugh. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyways, moving on from that. Um, Barcelona, uh, pretty cool city. I would compare it to like, like if we were talking like U.S. states, I would say like Madrid's more like Dallas and Barcelona's more like Austin. Barcelona seems like a more hipstery city, um, a lot artsier, um, and like the architecture there just, it's wild. It's, it's really cool. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but there's architecture by some guy named Gaudi, Gaudi, Gaudi. Yeah. I don't know, but his architecture, he made the La Sagrada Familia, which is like the most famous cathedral in Spain. I, I feel like in Spain, but it's jaw dropping. Um, I think to say that I've, I think, I don't think I've ever been made speechless by architecture before because I'm just not like a, it's not just how I see beauty, but I think there's undeniable beauty in the world. And this was one of those moments where like we came upon it and like, I lost my breath for a moment. Like it's, it's incredible. Like you're walking up to it and like these spires just appear over the distance and then you just get closer to it and you're just struck at what an incredible building and piece of work it is. Um, just the amount of detail, everything that it is, it was mind blowing. So I would highly suggest that. And then paella, very good. <laughs> I like paella a lot. <laughs> How was that though? Do you, you guys drove out to Valencia? It was like what, some two hour, two and a half hour drive? Oh yeah. Than that? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know the geography of Spain, Madrid is the very center, like literally smack dab in the middle of the country. And then Barcelona is like a little bit northeast, but it's on the coast. So you have beach there. And then, um, but it's like a triangle where Valencia is kind of in the middle of the two of them. And so you could do a little road trip from Barcelona back to Madrid through Valencia. And um, that is apparently the home and birthplace of Paella. So there's a place that we went to called Casa Carmela. Um and you have to call ahead like 24 hours if you want their special paella, which is called like paella valenciana. And like it's consists of like wild rabbit, snails, and various vermin, I think. <laughs> Maybe chicken too. Little birds. I don't know. A lot of little small animals in there. <laughs> but delicious. Um, if you are vegan, uh, I don't know what to say. You could eat the bread, I guess. <laughs> but if you're not, you can really enjoy Spain a lot. Heck yeah, dude. No, I always love hearing, well, honestly, like, you going on vacation in Europe makes me like, oh, dude, now I really got to get out there in Spain. Um, But one of the coolest things, I think even kind of, even what you were doing there too, man, something something about capturing that feeling, like something that you can't really recall the same way you could say that, hey, I did this, 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 you know, A, B, C, D, but like actually talking about how things made you actually uh, feel. I, I, I kind of did something similar when I went to uh, like Amsterdam for the first, like not for the first time, the only time. Um, and yeah, there's just something about the way people live, things you observe. 
that are just unique to that experience and you know it shapes how you were thinking in that moment but if you don't kind of capture that or write that down that's what gets lost forever and i think yeah you can always remember what you did but you can't you can't necessarily remember how you you, you felt at the time too it's yeah really what i think is so cool about vacation but also you know being able to travel yeah really awesome i uh i think we're gonna try and do france next but um i think the one biggest takeaway i had was that like I, it felt like spanish people don't work <laughs> like oh. i'll be out there like yo y'all got jobs like what are you what are you doing because they'll be out there like 3 p.m on like a thursday like just slugging beers on a patio and like they're in like suits they're clearly at work and then so i asked a cab driver and she's like oh yeah like if you're like a businessman like these guys just go out at lunch and just slug beers and then just hang out i'm like fuck like what am i doing <laughs> you know and you, I feel even, like, you said you wouldn't even describe these guys as alcoholics right they just kind of like yeah they just just happy drinking you know yeah, i'm not you know because yeah, they're functioning alcoholics which they're just pacing yeah. themselves <laughs> they really are um and like i feel like there's a real live to work culture in america where it's like you know your nine to five is pretty much everything and a lot of people's identities get wrapped up in like oh this is what i do for a living you know but I, I, like, I don't want to speak to a culture I don't quite understand, you know, just like Steve Kerr, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I, I keep doing it. I can't help myself, but, uh, um, you said you, are you saying you have a, a, a Spanish in-law that you can talk to, get you informed about the situation? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I need to get one of those, but, um, I feel like they have like a real work to live culture where it's like, oh yeah, this is just so I can, I like work so I can pay for the beer. And like hang out with my friends, eat tapas, you know, club till six in the morning. <laughs> like, it just felt like, I don't know. It was really cool being a part of that for a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's just crazy. I, I, I just want to like leave work at like three and just pound beers with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like college. <laughs> Sounds very enticing. Oh, yeah, I wish it was probably the definition of college. To be honest mm-hmm. what a free time what yeah a free time but yeah that was uh that was spain um i'm not sure what else oh yeah the patriots game was great yeah so that that capped off like the two weeks so we came back on like a thursday and then the patriots are playing sunday at 1 p.m here in uh like the dc area that was crazy dude like the stadium legit like i don't want to over exaggerate because i don't think it's possible but legitimately 75% of the stadium were Patriots fans. Like, no joke. 75%. And the oddest thing is that, like... See, like, there are people at the stadium who are, like... You could overhear conversations. Like, even other Pats fans, they'd be like... I didn't know there were this many Pats fans in D.C., you know? But then, you know, out of a small sample size of people that I was able to talk to... A lot of them were people who came from Boston to come watch this game. Because I don't know if you know this about, like, Boston sports, but, like, ticket prices there are outrageous. Um, So, like, games at Gillette, even Fenway, just unbelievably expensive. And so uh, I knew this about baseball, but a lot of people from Boston actually come down to Baltimore for their series with the Ravens, or not the Ravens, the Orioles. Because it's cheaper to go down to Baltimore and watch the game there than it is to watch it at Fenway. Like, get a flight buy yep. a ticket go to the game that's insane yeah. and then i talked i was able to talk to like two separate groups of people at the pats game um and they were both families from boston who had literally flown down the night before 
got in a hotel for two nights and flew out. Like, I mean, it's crazy. I think the one thing Europe definitely does better than America is artificially keeping ticket prices low for sporting events. Because, like, especially for soccer, they purposely keep the prices low because it's a sport for the people. Um, It's not, it wasn't, it's not intended for, like, only the elite or those who can afford it. It's like, that's the one thing I really respect about, like, you know, soccer in general. But, because, like, in the U.S., it's just, you know, whoever the highest bidder is, if you can afford to go, you can go. Um, And so, like, it's crazy um, how expensive ticket prices are. But thankfully, I live in D.C. where all the sports teams suck. And all the tickets are very cheap. So thank you, Washington Wizards, and thank you, Washington Redskins. And uh, thank you, Jay Gruden. I believe you watched his last game as head coach of oh, yeah. the Redskins, I think. Yeah. And right before that game, I watched videos of him smoking pot on U Street. Oh. <laughs> and hanging out with some girl laying on the street, dude. It was crazy. Wait, what? Wait, you didn't hear about that? No. Dude, there were these videos that came out, I think, that the week before the game of like Jay Gruden outside of a bar smoking a joint. And then another video of him sitting on, like, the sidewalk, leaning against the wall with some, like, random, like, she looked like she was 25, just girl just draped across his lap, possibly hammered. I don't know. I think both of you would have to be pretty either hammered or stoned out of your mind to be sitting on the grimy streets of D.C., you know, at, like, 3 in the morning. But it was hilarious. You should Google them if you want. They're very funny. Are, 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 we, are we not talking about Leonardo DiCaprio? Are we sure we're talking about the same guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, okay. Sorry. I hear 25-year-old woman. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. not the worst thing you could be doing, but... <laughs> All right. Well, Jay Gruden, um, never wish for someone to lose your job, but uh, see you later. <laughs> I would say the wrong guy lost his job uh, because really it's Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. Dan Allen's Snyder yeah. needs to... Um, I, think, I think she sold the team. Yeah, uh, but you know, luckily we're not censored from saying that. So please sell the team. Well, actually, if we were to tell James Dolan of the New York oh, Knicks yeah. to sell the team, we'd be kicked out of it and banned from the stadium. So yeah, James Dolan would fit very well in China. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he'd make a great totalitarian uh, dictator, authoritarian take guy. Take very his, sensitive. Take his band out there, dude. Yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Winnie the Pooh is banned in China, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Wild. They deleted them before they deleted the rockets. What's going to be deleted next? Yeah, right? Probably you and me. The Two Asians Podcast is the next Two one. Two Asians Podcast. So listen now before it's gone. Cue it up before we get that bag. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, this was an emergency pod that... So, yeah, by the way, um, I know for those of you who are, like, my close friends, I've been talking to you and advertising the fact that we're going to be pushing out a dating pod um, about, like, dating uh, as, like, you know, what what our experience is like dating and all these thoughts that I had. And so I know for a fact that I'm going to be uploading this one before that one. So I apologize for the delay. Um, We just felt like this was such an urgent topic that needed discussion and will require... Not less nuanced, but, you know, it's easier to put together than the other one. And so uh, we're probably going to be uploading this one first. That's right. I can't. I don't disagree with you. No. For sure. Yeah. And I know a lot of you were excited about the dating pod because I've talked to a lot of you about it before, too. Um, Both sober and drunk. But um, it's coming. It's coming. I promise. 
And uh, with that, Joe, I guess we can conclude uh, this podcast. Um, my name is Vinny. My name is Joe. Beep. <laughs> yeah, I'm Vinny. Beep. 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 Please stay with us. Just kidding. Listen to us next week. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so ancient. They say Asian don't raise it. Went from young and the dangerous to making all of my payments. When I get wasted as shit, it take two days to get fixed. They ask me, what's your skin regimen, bitch? I drank like a fish. I done did everything, anything, all of my teens. Uppers and downers and all in between. Gave lovers the boot and giving them rings. From baggy to skinny with all of my jeans. 15 seconds of shine. Turned into six seconds on a vine. Now it's real fake in real time. Acting hella extra on it live. Little homie flexing, that's cute. They see my mural like, that's you, old man, but anything brand new. Better cup your girl, I still pull. I'm on my business, y'all start wars. I'm Michael Jackson eating popcorn, but keep testing and talk more. I'll send that ass to the chalkboard.